Well, here are some words that uh, the other person in the studio has not heard <laughs> for at least 10 weeks. Welcome to the Grow People Podcast. Welcome. He's back. Uh, Pastor Welcome Jason. back. Yes. We were gonna we were gonna do the welcome back Cotter theme at the lunch we had for you uh, last Monday. Yeah, um, and I thought it was a great idea. Then it was poo pooed in the creative meeting, <laughs> and then afterwards, everyone was like, "Oh, we should have done the welcome back Cotter thing." Yeah, yeah, which is a show I didn't grow up on, um, but so maybe that was the resistance. Like people just aren't familiar with it enough. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, Gabe Kaplan. Uh, was the star of the show, went on to become a tremendous poker player. Oh, wow. And stand-up comic. Wow, did not yeah, see. He, I didn't know that. Yeah. Had no reference. Um, spent time with him back in the 90s. Mm. Uh, just a, one of those guys, y- you leave and go, that's a gem of a man. Mm. You know, if there is such a thing, he, <laughs> and, and a we- gem. A gem. Yeah. Uh, we would say in, in Yiddish, he's a mensch. He's, he's just a good guy. A what? A mensch. Mensch. A mensch. Okay. Yeah. Not a, a Grinch or no, a Winch. No, a mensch, or... a mensch is a good guy. Okay. A mensch is a guy that does a mitzvah, does a good thing for people. Mm. So, okay. So he's I, a mensch. I didn't, I mean, that sounds kind of like a mob term, but I guess you're not. not. You're not familiar with the Jewish mob? <laughs> no, I'm not. No. <laughs> well, it's all through scripture. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Jason has returned from his sabbatical and we are giving him uh, a wave in the studio right A wave? Now. That was a clap. It, it was a clap and a wave. Uh, my name. Yeah, I guess there are people watching it on YouTube that saw that I was not standing and giving a no, wave. No, you weren't. I'm not anti-wave. If you're at a sporting event and there's a wave, what do you do? I, I'll, I'm down with it, but I'm not going to be... You're not starting. No, I'm not starting it, and I'm not necessarily looking for it. Yeah. But I'm not going to be a, a mensch. And, uh, no, a mensch would be a good... <laughs> I'm joking. A, 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 a mensch would be the guy. <laughs> yeah. a curmudgeon would be the guy. The Grinch would, yes. would not do the way. Yes. Yes. No, I'll, I'll participate for sure. Well, yeah. it is so I'm not good. anti-wave. It, it, not anti-wave at all. Uh, so But good. you're definitely pro-clap. Oh, I'm I'm a huge clapper. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, if if I if I could, I would clap out of beat all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is kind of morbid, but I just thought like I was going to say you would clap at your own funeral if you could. If I could, yes. So we need to pre-record you clapping. That would be and excellent. That way, when they when we bring your casket in, we can yes. have you clapping. Yeah. yeah, pre-record me sitting in the front row <laughs> while you're preaching my funeral. And and I'm I'm just saying that's good. Yeah, that's good. Keep yeah, preach that. <laughs> and and typing on the keys, we can have those too. I'm a yeah. loud typer, and at 62, I think everybody older than the age of 45, 50 would understand. You you grew up oh, learn, typewriters, learning how to type on a typewriter. Yeah. So, yeah, we did have a typewriter growing up. I didn't watch Welcome Back, Cotter, but I did have a typewriter. Okay, I don't. I'm not recommending going back and watching Welcome Back, Cotter. I when, mean, was, when was that? What decade? 70s. Okay, it was 70. You know, yeah. John Travolta was the star. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, he was a uh, Vinnie Barbarino, and then there was uh, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, Robert Hedges, and Ron Palillo, who uh, played Horseshack. This is, no just, this is just, <laughs> this is just too yeah. much. <laughs> I have a blank stare. Yeah. Uh, my name is David Stein, by the way. Um, Speaking the, of stars. I am No, not at all. Uh, campus pastor here at our Canton location. The purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help grow people. See, you didn't skip a beat. No, I didn't. It's like riding Greg Sizemore's bicycle. <laughs> That's a callback to a previous podcast. It was. That was a pretty good one. Um, yeah. It was so much fun having 
uh, fresh faces in here uh, doing the podcast. What are you uh, saying? Like this is an old face? No, is, no, okay. <laughs> no, no, you're a fresh face. I've okay. not seen you. Yeah. Well, I've I've seen you, but you know, our our audience has yeah. not heard from you unless they were here for the record breaking Revolution Church weekend. weekend. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of people. Incredible. Yeah, it was our largest non-holiday attendance ever. And a yeah. perfect storm, literally. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we had downpours at the beginning and the end of each gathering. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but over 3,200 people. Yeah. Amazing. 500 and some kids, uh, students rather, uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers at our, at one, our night. one night. Yep. 30 salvations at one night between the two campuses. Mm. Uh, Come on. It has been a great start of the school year. It has. Uh, but we're grateful to have you back. But it was really cool to have, and this was uh, a vision that you had you know, a long time ago to have church planters come in that we are supporting. And and I just want to say how valuable that was for us as stewards to see that our generosity fuels the gospel all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. When we started laying this out, you know, and again, those are a part of our church. No, I take a preaching break every summer. And so four of our main teachers, you, Chad, Jeremy, and Dave will teach. And I always love that. I love that during my normal preaching break, we're, we're still having our, you know, our staff teach because a, I want our church to hear from y'all. And so we knew that we knew we were going to do that. And we knew we were going to open and close with worship weekends um, because those are so powerful Mm -hmm. and just a part of the life of our church now. But we basically had four other weekends to fill. And so when we started thinking about that, um, you know, my first thought was pastor friends of mine or mentors of mine that are just incredible communicators that, you know, we would invite in. And I had asked a couple of them and, but either they could or couldn't do it. But as I really started thinking about it, I was like, man, I would really, I think it would be better actually, mm-hmm. instead of just bringing friends in to bring in some of our church planters, not only because they're incredible communicators in their own right, but we have a a connection to them. Mm-hmm. Like, the church has a connection to them beyond just me. Sure. You know, they're not just my friend. Um, so when I started thinking about that and then reached out to um, our guys and, and just, it really was an amazing thing. They all said yes. And it just fit, you know, to where, and I didn't originally plan it this way, but, you know, from worship weekend to like you kicked it off and then Paul. So it was one of our staff guys and then a church planner, staff guy, church planner, and it just kind of worked, you know, systematically like that. And it was really good because I wanted our church to see and hear from guys that they've supported. Mm-hmm. Because again, not everybody in our church knows that, that we are involved in church planning. So it's a great way to highlight it. Mm-hmm. Just like we do other things like foster care and give a kid a chance. You know, we try to highlight things that are going on, kids, students. Uh, well, church planting is a big value that we have, multiplication, you know, Um so I'm really glad that they got to come and and our church got to hear from them and then hear about what God's doing in them. And uh, I know a lot of people, you know, obviously like Scotland wasn't on their mind before. Right. But now knowing, oh, wow, we have a church planter mm-hmm. there. Now they can think about it, pray about it. And there's been many people that, of course, want to go there. Yes. Um, I'm already planning the golf trip. Yes. Well, that's the part. Yeah. 
golf slash mission. Yeah, exactly. People are like, I just want to go to St. Andrews. Oh, and, and see the church. Um, which but, is fine. Like it's, a, no, go ahead. No, I was just in the middle of a sentence before you. <laughs> this, this is the, this is the awkward pause. We, neither of us want to talk now. Yeah. No, I'll um, talk. No. So yeah, there wasn't one person that I talked to that had any clue of the darkness in Scotland that it's one to 2% Christian. Yeah. I didn't before mm-hmm. Paul said that to us, you know, I, I knew, I knew cause several of our partner churches in our, in our church planning network here in Atlanta, um, had already gone and mm-hmm. been there a couple times. And, and I think Paul shared that. So I knew that they, they were aware of it, but yeah, I wasn't really aware of it. And cause Scotland has such a rich Christian history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like Ireland and what's happened there and really at, at one time was kind of the center of Christianity. Um, and, and now for it to be less than 2%, it's right. incredibly sad. Yeah. And we went there, I, Pastor Chad and I went to Scotland one of the last weeks of my sabbatical and going there and getting to see it, uh, it made more sense to me because there's like, we talked to one guy who was working, um, he was dressed up in like full kind of Scottish gear and um, from about the 1700 time frame with his kilt and everything. But he was talking about all the wars, you know, that they fought between Britain and Scotland and they weren't necessarily over religion. Uh, they weren't, but they, they were very heavily influenced and had to mm-hmm. do with that, you know, Catholics versus Protestants, um, England versus Scotland, you know, so it was kind of like God and country, you know, to a point to where this guy that we were talking to in his mind, anything religious is he's already been there, done that. Cause they have all this history of wars related mm-hmm. to it. Right. So that's why he wanted nothing to do with it. So when you talk to a Scottish person and you hear that, and you're like, well, that makes sense mm-hmm. because I mean, it's incredibly, I mean, I kind of laugh, but it, cause it's, you just want to cry. We, we would literally walk up to a monument and there'd be a, this huge monument that's, that was dedicated to people that were burned at the stake mm. for being heretics, which were the, the Protestants. Mm-hmm. And well, if you grow up in that culture where there was so much violence and history of wars in involving religion, it turns you off to it. Right. You know? So yeah, to the point, like you said, I didn't know until Paul shared that, how dark it was. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in our church didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, and I've had so many conversations uh, since Paul was in about, you know, the excitement of going to a mission field like that. Yeah. And then I, I keep bringing it back to, Hey, we live in a mission field. Yes. Uh, I spoke at a, a really cool Christian golf thing last Friday morning. Mm. Uh, it's called links players. It was the original PGA Bible study. Oh, wow. And now there's like 300 chapters around the country, and there's one at Woodmont here. And I got invited to come share my story. Wow. And then play nine holes afterwards. Hmm. So double bonus. It was fun. And we were just talking about these mission fields outside of the country. Yeah. And and I said, what about the one you live in right here? Yeah. And uh, I think we have to be reminded of that. Because we do live in the, the fastest growing county in the state. I think it's like six years running Cherokee County, fastest growing county in oh, the wow. state. And because of all this growth, there is an opportunity 
that, I mean, it's always been here, Yeah. but what an opportunity to reach the 80% of the people who do not have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. So whether it's one to 2% in Scotland yeah. or, uh, you know, 20% here in Cherokee County, yeah. Yeah, there's still these opportunities to reach people with the gospel. The, the church did everything you asked them to do. They prayed for you. Uh, they prayed for your family. They showed up. They, they gave, they served. But when they got to see the fruit of their obedience, because it's one thing, okay, give a kid a chance, buy a backpack, get some school supplies. Yeah. You know where your $100 goes. Yeah. But the act of obedience of tithing, uh, sometimes you don't see that. Yeah. So they got to see the tangible evidence of that. And I thought that was pretty cool. You talking about with the church planters? With the church planters. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, and again, I think that was the thing that it's what I hoped for in planning, you mm-hmm. know, and when I was kind of laying out who was going to speak when, I really hoped that our church would would understand the impact that mm-hmm. it has because, again, those guys tell me that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's Paul in Scotland or Dakota in Texas, you know, what we have and will get, continue to give to them, um, and not just money. It's also time, you know, like Dakota and I met quite a bit before he moved, you know, and so, and we still talk, you know, so getting to pour into him, Chris, you know, we, um, hang out and talk, pour into him and same with Greg, you know, I mean, he came out of our network. And Mm -hmm. so we get to see that tangible evidence because we know these guys, we've spent a lot of time with these guys and, you know. I'm not a check signer and at our church, but you know, several of our pastors are the ones that sign the checks, you know, but our, the average person in our church doesn't know that, you mm-hmm. know? And, and that was a reason why I wanted to, or I think I say, I felt led to ask them to come in mm-hmm. because yeah, I, I do think it has a tangible effect on, on our church. And I talked to several people that I just saw while I was gone and they had even mentioned that like, how cool it was to hear from those church planters and know that we are helping support mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So I, yeah. So that was one thing that you planned, but the other thing that you planned was the sabbatical. And I know you had help from our board um, and some of your mentors in, in kind of laying this out. So now that you're back, how'd it go? Yeah. <laughs> how, how did you, how did you lay this out in, in a way that you thought was going to be fruitful even though you had no idea how it was going to go. Yeah. There's a, you know, when I was thinking about it and even the early conversations with our board and kind of thinking about, cause you know, we had budgeted, you know, money for me to, to do like, we just kind of budgeted a, a, a bucket of money, but I didn't know what it was going to be yet. You know, just a bucket. And that was tough to walk around an airport. With. Yeah, yeah. It was a bucket, <laughs> you know, literal. And so as I started earlier this year, started kind of thinking through that and having conversations um, and really trying to lay it out, it was, it was, I wouldn't say it was tough, but I wanted to make sure there was a balance of being home, being away. Um, you know, it's not like normally on my preaching breaks, you know, I like, you know, the family will take a vacation. Um but then, you know, I may be gone for a week and a half of those four weeks, but the other times I'm here, like I'm in town and 
because I am, I'm just not in the office. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm praying, working on stuff, you know, to where this one was different in that I really wasn't trying to spend time um, still working. You know, I was trying to rest. And so it was a unique mix of trying to figure out, okay, how much do I need to stay home and just, you know, rest and then be away? Because I didn't want to stay home for 10 weeks. I didn't want to travel for 10 weeks. And Mm so when I was starting to lay that out, um, and, and just the way the calendar worked as well, like the first two weeks of sabbatical, so the end of May, 1st of June, I was just home. I didn't, I didn't travel anywhere cause I didn't want to finish working here and then immediately leave, mm-hmm. you know? So I was just home. And then as I shared with the church before I left, I had three different experiences that I planned, um, with three different organizations. Um, and the way I thought about it was I wanted to spend a week working on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, that was me and a counselor and then a week for Lindsay and I, um, to, and we met with a, a life coach and worked on a life plan. And, and then we had some time together. Um, so we had four or five days together uh, and then spent time with the life coach. So that was kind of like myself, then my family. And then the third week um, was leadership, you know, in church. So I was gone two weeks then, or I'm no, sorry, I was here for two weeks, the first two weeks. Then the next two weeks I was gone. Um, one was that, that experience, uh, with the counselor, just myself at a ministry called the blessing ranch in Florida, which is designed for ministers. Um, it's run by a guy who's a licensed counselor started it. Now his daughter who's a licensed counselor runs it. Um, so that one was, I'm going to, you know, spend time working on myself, you know, and, then the week after that, we had a family vacation in Florida, so we kind of tagged that. So I was here two weeks, gone two weeks. Then I was back two weeks, uh, back home, and then I the then I was gone two weeks. Um, with the second experience with Lindsay and I went to Colorado and did the whole life plan process mm-hmm. and hung out in Breckenridge. We love that that city, and uh, of course the weather is amazing in the summer. So we were there for four days and then in the life plan process uh, was in Colorado as well. And then Lindsay came home because we had give a kid a chance coming up. <laughs> and then I went to California for the third experience, which was the leadership part, um, which was with Henry Cloud and John Townsend. So thinking about it, I wanted to, again, it was, the, it was trying to figure out the balance of how much to be gone Cause I like traveling, like it, it energizes me. Um, but I couldn't stay gone the whole time. Mm-hmm. And one of my mentors, Larry Osborne, I was talking to him last week and he, and I think I mentioned this, I know I mentioned it in one of the gatherings this last weekend. I don't remember if I mentioned all of them, but he gave the analogy, which he's great at analogies that rest is like turning off the engine of your car, but that's not enough as we and as we know, you can turn off the engine, but you have to replenish the gas as well. Mm, that's good. And so he made the point of like, that's why rest isn't enough. You can't just rest. You have to also replenish. So that's kind of how I was thinking. I didn't have that language at the beginning mm-hmm. of a sabbatical. 
But that's what I was thinking. Like my first two weeks here was just kind of resting, you know, um, just the adrenaline leaving my body, you know, mm-hmm. from not having to preach and right. not having to, to, uh, and I actually went to like one of those weekends, I went to Hope Church, Chris Renfro's church mm-hmm. and got to just go to church, which was great. Um, so that was about rest. And then the, those experiences were about replenishing. Yeah, if you're listening uh, to this process, I, I hope you hear that you want a church where your leaders do these things to uh, be healthy. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing for a church is for a pastor to never consider these things, and then that leads to burnout. That leads to falls. Oh, totally. Um, so this is a great thing for the church. So after you went to the first uh, planned event, which was uh, some some personal coaching, some yeah. personal counseling, uh, what were you thinking after that first week? That first that first experience, yes. Um, I was thinking, um, like I learned some stuff, um, you know, and I've gone to counseling for, well, really, I'll be forty five next month, September twelfth. Write that down. Um, the first time I saw a counselor was when I was 25. So I've been doing counseling now for 20 years. So I feel like that first week I learned some, like there was definitely some eye-opening stuff. And mm-hmm. actually I shared with our, our staff in our all staff meeting this month about a process I learned mm-hmm. um, from a, which is the whole ministry of this of blessing ranch. It's kind of like their thing the what they call the unhindered process. And so there were some eye-opening things I learned that week that um, that I just didn't know about myself, you know. And he was asked me questions, you know, a lot of questions. And but it was funny, like, you know, and this is the nature of things in life. You know, we all want quick fixes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yep. we want to take a diet pill. We want to, you know, we're always looking for something, right? Um, but as good as that week was, there I also left with a frustration because it was like I thought I was going to be fixed more. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yeah, no, no, it makes, <laughs> it makes perfect sense because you've been thinking about this for so many months. You've yes, been pl- you've been planning this. I am going to go to this retreat. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. I'm going to get healed. I'm never going to have problems. Yeah. Well, and, and the best way to explain it is like. And even how I described it was like, this was for myself. The thing for Lindsay and I was for my family. The third thing was for our church. So I had compartmentalized the three things, mm-hmm. you know, myself, my family, the church. Do you think God had compartmentalized no, it? No. no. And that was probably the thing that was the most amazing to me. And I mentioned this to y'all and uh, staff as well, is there was a theme that developed through all three of them. Mm-hmm. And, and each one built on the other. Yeah in a way that I could not have planned. Well, I didn't plan. I mean, I didn't. It was like, and that's what I mean. Like I was a little frustrated after the first one because it was like, I'm going to go work on myself. And then after that, Lindsay and I are going to work on our life and family. And then after that, I'm going to work on the church. And that's just not the way it works. Mm -hmm. Um, Because one of the keys to Lindsay and I's marriage is myself one of the keys to leadership in the church is myself. Like myself is in all three of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the thing that, and I joked with y'all, it was like, it was like somebody called 
all three of them and told them exactly <laughs> what they needed to tell me. And, it, and I was amazed by that. And again, I'm not surprised because it was God, sure. you know, um, but like my, so to answer your, like the first question after my first experience, really after my first experience, then vacation and then coming back home. So that was, that was really like six weeks mm-hmm. at the five and a half mark, five and a half week, almost six weeks mark. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is already halfway done. And I don't feel like I've learned enough yet. I don't feel like, like I started getting nervous because I feel like I had rested enough. You know, I, I, I was out of my normal rhythm enough. I spent a lot of time outside working, uh, which is very, very relaxing for me. Mm-hmm. At, yeah, I know at, you love that. Yeah, at our land. And, you know, I was cutting down trees and mowing grass. and Manly you know, things. Yeah, just, yeah, awesome stuff. Like I went and bought a, a really nice steel chainsaw and Lin, uh, Lindsay, Natalie and I drove up to uh, Blue Ridge one day and bought it from this old couple. Um, so that was because I had this huge tree down at my land. So I had to go cut it up. And so I spent one whole day cutting. I mean, it was massive, you know, yeah. cutting people, that up. People like me would get a guy to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So things like that, again, I felt like I was, and as one pastor said one time, those of us who work with our minds have to rest with our hands. Mm, that's good. So working with my hands and doing that stuff was super restful for my mind because I wasn't having to think. Mm-hmm. I wasn't having to solve yep. problems, you know. But I remember about five and a half weeks in, I'm again getting nervous because it was like it's already halfway over. And I don't feel like I have, you know, grown enough, learned enough. And it's not that I was putting pressure on myself, but it was like, but I did want to come back different, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. And it wasn't until that second experience that Lindsay and I did in Colorado. Um, and the first day of that experience, when he was walking us through the, cause it's a whole structured process. Mm-hmm. Like we filled up like 17 pages of white paper, you know, of like uh chart paper and I have all those, like we rolled them all up and I brought them back. Um, and it's him learning kind of your story. And then one of the things he had us do was identify our negative life script that we live by. And so we kind of talked through that, which again, that correlated with exactly what I learned right. at Blessing Ranch, mm-hmm. like in that whole unhindered process, um, which I shared with the staff. And so when we when we did that, and walking through that and kind of work through and Lindsay was with me on that, which was really, really beneficial um, that I kind of identified my negative life script, which for me and just how I grew up was, I don't need you. Mm. We kind of started off with the thought of if I don't do it, it's not going to get done, mm-hmm. you know, kind of that self-reliance right. and independence, but he pushed me. He's like, no, it's deeper than that. You know, and then we came up with that phrase, and I don't remember if I said it or he said it or how, but came up with that phrase of, I don't need you. That was so eye-opening to me. It was like, oh my gosh, that is how I live my life. So this is about week six, seven? This would have been, like, this was week seven. Okay. Okay, um, so you're you're less than two months into this, and then all of a sudden, God drops this on you. Yeah, after he had primed the pump at the Blessing Ranch, and that's what I mean. Like at the Blessing Ranch, 
I I was frustrated because I felt like I didn't have the breakthrough yet, mm-hmm. you know. But then in Colorado, it was like, oh my gosh, that is like that's and Lindsay was like, Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like you don't need me, you know, that you're mm-hmm. good without me. Yeah, you know? well, well, that makes complete sense that that first experience you're still living in, I don't need anybody. I'm self-reliant. Yeah. I've got to have my own breakthrough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I Lindsay doesn't need to be here for this, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> Um, which is funny that the, that week we talked a lot about isolating how I isolate myself and again, and how I grew up and just how I learned to cope and survive. Mm-hmm. And, and part of my homework was talking to Lindsay and also to each one of my kids about what my isolation from them, how it affects them. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So I had to ask, and I asked Lindsay that I haven't asked the kids yet. But when you start thinking about that, again, you realize that, well, that's just how I was living. It wasn't a, uh, of course, and it can be sinful, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not like I was choosing that. It's, it's like, not a conscious effort. To, no, no. To, to isolate. It's just the way I learned to survive right. growing up. Mm-hmm. Growing up in a very dysfunctional home, I learned that I couldn't trust people with my emotions. I couldn't trust people, mm. couldn't be vulnerable with them Wow! because things were so hectic and crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every child is always wanting to know the, the question a child they're not asking, but they're, we are hardwired by God to ask is, can I be safe? Mm. Like, are you safe? Wow. You know? And, well, that's not only true physically, which I think, I think, any good parent mm-hmm. understands that. It's our job as parents to mm-hmm. make sure our kids are physically safe. Yeah, I think but, we all get that. But it's physically, emotionally, spiritually. But yeah, but are you emotionally safe? Mm-hmm. You know, um, are you, yeah, are you, and that's what I learned, that in my world, people weren't. And so therefore, that's when I developed this truth, which then led to a strategy. Mm-hmm. And this is what we were talking about in yeah. all staff. Not, but, not a, not a, not the truth. No, it's called a little T <laughs> truth, uh, which again is it's in the book called the unhindered life of people listening or wanting, wanting that you can buy it on Amazon. It's great. You can kind of understand more of what we're talking about. So yeah, to me, the little T truth, which is basically a lie, um, is, or was, I don't need you. Well, then I developed strategies around that. So I learned how to live where I didn't need people. You know, um, I would be transparent with people, but not vulnerable, you know, to Mm -hmm. where I actually need you. Um, so again, when, when Lance, my life coach, uh, asked that question, what's the lie, you know, what's the negative life script that you're living? Then it was like, okay, I see what you're doing. God, like I just learned about this three weeks ago Mm -hmm. and now you're forcing me to write it down. So he wrote it down. Like, I don't need you. And then what's the truth to that? And so that was like, that week was, I mean, that was the watershed moment, mm. you know, which I was up in the mountain, so it made sense. You know, right. there's the continental <laughs> divide right there. There's the watershed. And then the next week, again, which was the one about leadership, and Lindsay wasn't with me for that, because that one, your spouses didn't come. It was, you're in a small group of people. With Henry Cloud. With Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Uh, it- was that surreal in the beginning? It was super surreal. And there was probably, we were at a hotel in Orange County and um, there was probably, I don't know, 60, 70 people there. 
Um, and it was a pretty small room, you know, not a, not like our auditorium. And I'm sitting on the, fr- I, I like sitting on the front row and taking notes. And so I was sitting on the front row in the far corner, right next to the, I also got right next to the whiteboard. Cause I knew, I knew them enough. They like writing on the whiteboard because <laughs> I've seen enough of their stuff. And so I was literally <laughs> within like five feet of them as they're teaching. So yeah, I was, I don't I don't like the phrase fanboying, but I was, de- I mean, it was in all. I was well, like, these the, two are the grow strategy here at Revolution Church. I know you've shared this before, but that is based on a book by, by those two guys yeah. called How People Grow. Yeah. Our whole mission here of grow comes from that book. And I read it in seminary and it just made perfect sense to me. And it really just gets into how God made the world and how growth happens. It's natural. And that's what I love about those two guys is they are, they're psychologists, but before they're psychologists, they're Christians and they're just fiercely biblical. They just talk about the way God, like Henry Cloud talked about, he longed for a way to communicate to people about like kind of metaphorically, like about these truths. And then when he read the Bible, he was like the body, you know, Mm -hmm. that's it, you know? And so that's how he relates so much to that. And so yeah, that week, I mean, yeah, Henry Cloud's teaching, John Townsend's teaching, and basically the structure of the week was every morning we had a couple hours of teaching, um, and then we would go into what's called a process group, which is a small group. It was eight of us, and but they call it a process group because you're supposed to process what you learned, and then also kind of process you know your life and past. And we had licensed professional counselors that led those groups. So not only do we have those two counselors teaching us cloud and Townsend, but there was like seven to 10 other counselors there taking people through these process groups. So this whole week was led by counselors. And the one week that again, the way I laid it out, that leadership week was the one week that wasn't about me. It was about the leadership in the church was the, was the week that was the most about me. And that's what I mean is like, they all built on each other and then got deeper to where the last day or the next to the last day at the leadership event is when I finally felt like I had the watershed moment in Colorado, but then like the breakthrough moment in California. And again, and it was like my counselor uh, or the, the group counselor, it's like she knew everything prior to mm-hmm. happening. I mean, obviously she was sensitive to the spirit and just led me through a process with my group. Um, And that was the thing that was the most power. I've always done counseling with just me and the counselor right? or me and Lindsay and the counselor. I've never done it with a group and a counselor. And that's where the power was because you're seeing other people experience things like literally like things falling off of them from working through stuff. And so when the last, it was the next to the last meeting, and, and I'd been sharing all week, but again, I was unbeknownst to me, I wasn't being real vulnerable. Mm. And so the counselor asked the group, was like, Hey, is there someone in the group that y'all haven't heard from yet this week that you really want to hear from? Now, this is five days into this. Yeah. This was Thursday. So I started on Monday. So this is day four. Okay. Day four. Yeah. So you've already been sharing a little bit here, a little yeah, bit there. Yeah, been sharing. And then a guy in the group, his name's Todd. Um, and there's 
confidentiality. So that's all I can say, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, he says, um, I haven't heard from Jason and I'd really like to hear from him. And I thought, dad, come in. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did you know Todd before this? No. Okay. No. Um, no, cause you're in a group of people mm-hmm. you don't know. And what's again, and this was the amazing thing about God, literally the night before I was laying in my bed in the hotel room and kind of thinking like, man, this has been really good, but I still don't feel like, and now it's like week eight and I'm like, I'm going back to work in two and a half weeks and Lord, I'm still, you know. And God was gracious the next day. And that's when I feel like everything came to a head. Like from what I had learned at Blessing Ranch, from what I learned at the life coaching to this, it all like, that was the moment. And literally, and I shared and, and this counselor, I mean, she was like a surgeon, led me through this process um, that like I had to, and, and and like when I started sharing, I said, I don't have a problem being transparent. I'll tell you. And we were talking about this earlier. And she said, Jason, yeah, you you don't have a problem being transparent, but you're not vulnerable. There's a difference. What what did that feel like in that moment? It, it, it like, I, it's like I had just been found out. Yeah. Um, like it was very, very uncomfortable, but also like, I was very at peace with it, if that makes sense. Cause it was like, basically I'm saying, I'm putting my heart in your hands, you know, and you can help shape it right now. And that's what vulnerability is Mm -hmm. like transparency, which anybody that knows me, I don't have a problem telling you about my life or what's happened or, um, like I'm, I'm pretty open. Oh yeah. You share stuff in sermons. Yeah. Shared all kinds of things about your life. Yeah. But I thought that was me being vulnerable, mm-hmm. and it's not. That was just me being transparent. Mm-hmm. Vulnerable is now. I have to be transparent in order to be vulnerable. Yes, but vulnerable is the next step after transparency. Which, and again, I'm not a counselor, so this is the way I understood it. But vulnerability is no. I'm actually. I'm not only being open with you about my life, but I'm actually. I have a need that I need you to meet. And therefore I'm putting myself out there and you have the potential to hurt me. You have the potential to harm me or help me. Um, which again, in my life, I learned growing up, like I shared earlier, I'm not vulnerable because you, you can hurt me. Um, and so she led me through this process again with my group of vulnerability where I had to literally like, and I, I can't, I can't say everything. Um, well, I can share some of my own stuff, but just through a process of learning how to actually need people, which again, my life script was, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in a group where I'm being forced to need people. And cause I did, I couldn't, I couldn't figure this out on my own, you know? And, and I kid you not, man, after that, I mean, I was bawling my eyes out. Everybody in the group was crying. Uh, cause anytime people were sharing, we were all crying, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's when I felt like all this weight came off of my shoulders. Mm. Um, all this, um, really just dysfunction of my life and how I lived, the strategies and things that I was doing to where I felt like 
you know, I know, you know, Second Corinthians 5, I was a new creation in Christ when I trusted Christ. So I know my spirit was saved when I trusted Christ, but my soul was still dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you think about your spirit, you know, the Bible uses, and I've said this before in sermons, like this, your spirit is like the breath, you know, your soul, the heart, your mind, you know, but those, we kind of understand those as two different things. Um, so Jesus made me alive, but I still had this myself that my soul that was still living like I learned before Christ, like still living this little T truth of I don't need you. I get I get that. Um because it worked, you know. I it worked for me until <laughs> this point in time in my mm-hmm. life, but it wasn't working anymore. Um so it's like that was the application of the things that I had. So I learned it. I started learning it at blessing ranch. I got more insight at the life coaching. And then that week at ultimate leadership, it was like, well, now we're going to apply it. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're going to, now we're going to quit living by that old script of, I don't need you to living by the new one. And again, it's, it's like, even in simple ways, like when I would travel, and Lindsay wasn't with me, which this will be completely foreign to you because you're, I, I'm envious of you, not in a bad way, but like when I travel, I don't call Lindsay. I, I like we may text, but it's not like I'm calling her every night, you know, to where you and Leanna are talking all the time, all day long, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a foreign, that was a foreign thought to me. Um, and again, one of my counselors said, Jason, well, when you isolate yourself, not only are you not loving the other person, but you're not allowing the other person to love you. Wow. So again, like mm-hmm. when I was traveling, whether I was speaking somewhere or at a conference or at school, I'm not thinking I need to call Lindsay because I need to receive love from Lindsay. Mm. I'm not thinking that. Like that was that was a like when the counselor told me that at Blessing Ranch. That was a foreign thought to me. Like (laughs) I, and of course, Lindsay knew that, you know, but that's what Lindsay was talking to me about. She's like, Mm -hmm. Jason, yeah, you just, you don't need me, Mm -hmm. you know? And she was right. And, and, you know, full disclosure, you know, Leanne and I could be on the other side of the spectrum where there's this unhealthy codependency of (laughs) we've got to talk to each other 15 times a day. If I don't get a text of a picture of a puppy. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I don't know about that. You have to talk to a counselor and see. I've I've talked to a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. But, but again, I say that in a way of like, but that was a realization for me Mm -hmm. was that, yeah, I don't live my life like that. You know, but I never even thought to live my life like that. I never even thought like, again, and I don't want to sound heartless, but it's like when I travel or even on a daily basis, I knew I needed to talk to Lindsay. Like I knew I needed to connect with Lindsay, but it was always one-sided. It was always cause I need to give something to her. Mm. Um, I need to love her. I need to serve her, which is the Christian thing to do. Right. I never saw the other side of it which is actually I need to connect with Lindsay because I need to receive from her, not just because I need to give to her. Mm -hmm. So therefore in my mind, 
Like, I'm totally fine if people need me. I'm, that's part of what that's makes me a good pastor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and probably partly why I went into ministry, because I like being needed, you mm-hmm. know? And, but the idea of like, oh, no, but I actually have needs. Mm-hmm. And I need people to love and care for me, again, was a foreign thought because I live by, I don't need you. It, it, it's such an easy thing, though, to fall into. Yeah. It, it's when someone asks us, not that we're anything special, but because of the role we have, when they say, hey, how can we pray for you? What do, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I, get, I get the question, but it's always, uh, okay, I've got to think here. Uh, how much can I say? Yes. <laughs> what can I? What can I give? How Do vulnerable I, can I be with you? Yes. Or am I just going to be transparent? Yeah. And so it, it's easy to get into this. Hey, you no, know, we're we're the ones that help. Yes. You know, our friend Keith. Uh, one time he said to me a long time ago, "Who encourages the encourager?" Yes, exactly. And yeah. we need that. Yes, we need that encouragement. So that, yeah, because we're in what is called a helping profession. Mm-hmm. You know. Pastors, counselors, you know, those are social workers. Those are all helping professions where the the core of the work is helping others. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the reasons why I chose the things that I did was I wanted to go to, with people that understood that dynamic and, and could help me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, help the helper, encourage the encourager. And again, but I just didn't realize how much I lived my life not really thinking I need other people. It was like, it's me and Jesus. That's good. You know, mm. I'll, I'll help you and Jesus will help me. You know, like that sounds so great. Right. You know, but like I shared with the staff, according to Genesis 1 and 2, that's not enough. You know, because God created Adam, like the whole list of it is goods. Mm-hmm. Like it go, you know, God created, you know, the earth, God created the animals, the sky, the sun, the moon, and he says it's good. And then he gets to the end after he's created man and woman and says it's very good. Well, in between the good and very good was there's there's not good. Right. And that's when he created Adam, but Adam was alone. And God said, That's not good. Mm-hmm. So he had to create a helper, mm-hmm. literally in the Hebrew, the like opposite, you know. Because regardless of what we think, animal is not man's best friend. I know you love your puppies, but we need people. Um, And even Adam, who was in perfect relationship with God, still needed people. So the fact that I thought that I didn't need you is that's crazy. But again, that's just how I learned to to survive. Yeah, you know. And so now it's about in in our process groups, literally, like they would make us go through and identify needs. Like, here's what I'm feeling right now. This is what I need. And then the group has a chance to meet that need. And sometimes they can, and sometimes they can't, you know? And Lindsay, as my spouse and me as her spouse, we can't meet all of each other's needs. Mm -hmm. We have to have close friends too, Mm -hmm. which again, as a part of my life plan process, I had to identify five people that I was going to reach out to and, and try to work on my friendship because I feel like I'm not, I'm not a great friend. Because um, I, again, I, I like talking to a bunch of people, um, but I can't even remember 
the last time I've called a friend and said, Hey, I need you. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know the last time I've said that to somebody. Well, that's what makes a friendship, you know? And so a lot of my friendships are even one-sided. It's like, I'm helping them. But if they never get a chance to help me, then they're not going to find value in actually helping me. Like they're not going to feel important, which is funny. It's like the more you need somebody, the more important it makes them feel. Yes. Uh, which again, <laughs> so I have a lot of friendships um, mm-hmm. with people that I, I would have told you at the end of the day, yeah, I don't need them. You know? So one of my really good friends in Texas um, that I used to be on staff with at the church prior to, he was on my list that I wrote down. And Lindsay and I went to Texas as well because her grandparents had their 70th wedding anniversary and, mm-hmm. and we stayed with our friends. And so I told him, I was like, bro, hey, I need you. Like, I need you. I need to have regular time with you um, where we can get together, talk, because um, he's been a friend for you know, 20 something years now. But again, that was a foreign thought to me. So I say all that to say, when I look at the sabbatical, that was the best part about it is I had planned times for rest. I had planned times for replenishment for God to pour back in, but God wove them together in a way that I couldn't have planned. And that's why it was so cool to hear this story in, you know, 50 minutes of, of a podcast. And it's fascinating because this is not, Hey, my pastor's on vacation for 10 weeks. No, no. (laughs) And it's, it's so important for the next 20 years. This next year is going to be the 20th anniversary of revolution church, your 14th year here. And I know that you are planning for another 20 years. Hopefully. So, so to, so to have this, uh, moment in time in the summer of 2023 to get that breakthrough is huge. Mm-hmm. And so thanks for sharing that. Um, I, I know one instance where you called me in at four o'clock in the morning, cause you knew I was up, <laughs> <laughs> but everything you just said, the way it made me feel your vulnerability in the moment. Yeah. Um, it makes me think, okay, who, who, who is that in my life? Yeah. I mean, I know one guy, yeah. um, that I will pick up the phone at any time mm-hmm. and, and call, but am I, am I completely vulnerable? Yeah. Um, this is, this is, I mean, I really don't have any words right now because, uh, just hearing this process and I've heard it now three times since he came back yeah. from the sabbatical, you came back different. And this is now the third time that I've heard it. And, and, and maybe I'm having a breakthrough. Yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're really glad you're back. Um, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask was it, was there anything that you would have done differently, but now hearing how God sovereignly weave this all together, I don't know if you can say you would have done something different. The only thing that I would have done differently is I didn't get, um, and I don't want to say like it was a, a negative, like, but I would definitely do it differently the next time is I didn't have enough time with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, again, 
and this is sad, like I had planned of the 10 weeks, I had planned one week vacation, you know, with my family. Now, partly that's just the way it happened because Jackson has a job now. Lindsay was still working. There was mission camp. Yeah, there was mission camp. Lindsay, uh, Natalie was at mission camp and then went to wind shape camp for two mm-hmm. weeks. So I don't know if we could have pulled it off. Um, but the thing that I would do differently is I would have had more time with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, like one pastor friend of mine, him and his family went away, like out of town for a month together and just stayed somewhere. Which again, sadly, now that I know what I've learned that I need people, mm-hmm. you know, in relationships, <laughs> that's the, I, and that's what makes me, makes me grieve a little bit is like, I didn't even factor that in going into this, mm. that I needed more time with my family. Mm. Uh, again, and I don't know if we could have, I mean, we probably could have made it happen more. Um, but, and that was the funny thing is a lot of people in our church thought that since I was going to be gone for 10 weeks, that meant my family was going to be gone for 10 weeks. Right. Well, they weren't right. They were here. Mm-hmm. They were gone. Some, you know, mm-hmm. like we went on vacation together. Lindsay was in Colorado with me, but they were here, and every weekend when someone would see Lindsay, they were like, oh, what are you doing here? We thought you were going to be gone. So, well, no, Lindsay works here. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Lindsay was still working. She, she's our communications minister. Yeah, she was still working. What, was that yeah. a difficult thing to navigate? Because, you know, um, husband and wife, there are things that we take home with us. Yeah. Uh, was it was it difficult for Lindsay not to bring stuff home from church? Only a couple times. Okay. And, and, and not that it was like super difficult because mm-hmm. Lindsay, obviously she understands that dynamic and she knew that and wanted to respect me, uh, and my time away. But there was definitely a couple times where she just wanted to talk to her husband. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, about what she was feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and so we talked and there was a, I think there was one time I told her, okay, I don't want to talk about that anymore. That's, you know too much about church. Uh, and she understood and was fine. Uh, but yeah, that's another dynamic too, that I would have done differently. And that's what I mean by having, I wish I had more time away with my family and even Jackson, like this last weekend, someone told him, Hey, I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> well, he was here the whole time. All like, summer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, I think he only missed a couple weekends. Yeah. Um, and so he was laughing about it. And so it's like, well, since everybody thought that we should have just done that, you know, I wish I would have at least taken three or four weeks because we were only vacation together for seven days. Mm-hmm. Well, it was about day six where you finally like, all right, this is great. And then you have to come back. Mm-hmm. So even if we took two weeks or something, um, that's the only thing I would have changed to just include my family because there was things that I was learning that they weren't with me on that Mm -hmm. I couldn't share with them at the time. And then there was things going on in their life that they felt like they couldn't talk with me about, Mm -hmm. you know, because maybe it was about church or something. Um, So again, not a negative, but I definitely would change that in the future. The next time I take Mm -hmm. one, Um, just more time together with my family, Um, which again, I knew that. And it's not just because my kids are getting older and, you know, they're, you know, Jackson's in college and it's not like I'm just trying to fit it in before they leave. Cause I can still do it after they leave. But it was just like, 
Well, like the question I had to ask my kids, like, hey, how does my isolation affect you? I wish I had space to do that, mm-hmm. you know, with them. Right. Um, so that we can work on our relationship and let them know, hey, as much as you need me, I need you. And that's really why mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I would kind of shy away from connecting with people because I always just assumed they needed something from me. Mm-hmm. I never saw it as, well, maybe I need something from them. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Even my kids, I need something from that relationship. So, well, you know, uh, to that, to what you just said about uh, the kids and the questions you want to ask them, uh, I'll go back to a sermon that I heard at la- the end of last year. Somebody said, um, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Second best time is today. Yeah. yeah. So you have an incredible opportunity coming for the, the next uh, several decades, Yeah, uh, Lord willing. Uh, great to have you back. Uh, one of the, uh, I have two things to wrap this up. Your leadership allowed this to happen because you have shared publicly that there are pastors who won't take sabbaticals yeah. because they are afraid of what's going to happen in the church. Yeah. Nothing happened. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the church thrived, not in a bad way because you weren't here, No, yeah. but because you have set up a staff and we have incredible team members mm-hmm. and uh, just incredible people in this church who did, like I said earlier, exactly what you asked. They, yeah. pray, they prayed for you. They stayed connected. Yeah. Uh, so that is a testimony to your leadership. Uh, the second thing, uh, I talked to several people uh, after this past weekend, this record-breaking weekend yeah. of a uh, number of people here who started coming to church after Memorial Day. Yeah, yeah. They had they didn't they didn't know Pastor Jason Curtis. Yeah, and they heard all of these speakers throughout the summer, and they kept coming back. Yeah, and a guy in my neighborhood who started coming about two months ago. Mm. He was walking out. He goes, this is the first time I heard. You were right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's really good. (laughs) It's like, yeah, of course. (laughs) Uh, So it it is neat for the church to hear the story, to see how you laid this out, to hear about your breakthrough, and then to know that this is setting Revolution Church up, Lord willing, for the next 20 years. Yeah, yeah. I told somebody at church on Sunday... um, you know, I I wanted it to be where I could be away for 10 weeks mm-hmm. and the church doesn't need me. Like the church mm-hmm. is doing fine. But then the church hopefully likes me enough that they want me back. They do. And I think that's a good balance of mm-hmm. like, it. the church shouldn't be dependent upon me. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully rejoices when I'm here. You yes. Know? And that's, I think, a good thing is mm-hmm. like, that means the ministry of the church isn't built on me. Um, it's built on Jesus. It's mm-hmm. built on his word. Um, but obviously we all have a uniqueness that we bring and we can celebrate that uniqueness without having to feel like if that's not here, everything falls apart. Yep. And I think that's a really healthy place. And that's what I love even about taking pr- regular preaching breaks the way I do. Mm-hmm. And also this is, yeah, I think it sends that message that God is building a great church mm-hmm. And that's my goal. Um, it's not about me building a platform. It's about building a mm-hmm. church. Yeah. And so that whoever is preaching, it's done right and well. Um, but then it's a privilege and honor to still continue to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably the coolest thing for me. Yeah. Is that happened. 
it, it happened. Um, I, I even took a week off in, in July. Yeah. And, you know, people would ask me when you began your sabbatical, oh, is it going to be a lot more work for you? And it's like, no, we have an incredible staff yeah. <laughs> uh, that is so good that we were not going to skip a beat. Yeah. And then to be able to take a week off for pastor Chad to go on that yeah. uh, trip to Scotland with you. Yeah. Um, that is again, just how you've set this up yeah. and, and your leadership. So thank you for doing that. You came back lighter. You came back, uh, came back joyful. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you did. All right. Now to uh, be even more joyful. Here, <laughs> here's the end. Here's the end of the show. If you want a transcript of today's show, write down everything we say. Uh, our producer, of course, uh, he's not here today, but it's Brian Damaro. Um, videographer and producer today is Neon Keon Sadishi. Uh, do I even pronounce that right? I, I've known you for six years now. Uh, I think it. I think, I it think is, that's right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Sounds um, right. Yes, our, our technical director, uh, Jakob Pushchakovsky. Uh, that's actually his real name. Uh, I think you just like saying those names since they are hard to say. They are, like, yeah. But you uh, say them right. I nailed it. Uh, <laughs> uh, our head of doctrine and theology is theologian. Our chief evangelist is salvation. Did you miss these? Did you share them with your... Well, uh, I did listen to Did you to tell the, Henry Cloud? No, I didn't. <laughs> but I did listen to the podcast, and uh -huh. it was funny listening to the, the guys hear you say it for the first time mm -hmm. and then laugh about it. So yes. I enjoyed them hearing these things <laughs> for the first time. Yeah. Uh, our backsliding prevention officer is lukewarm. Our translator is Lexi Khan. Our lineage specialist is genealogy. Our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn, Bjorn again. again. Our reformed theology advisor is Calvanism. Our expert on Russian eschatology is Pitov L. Uh, our director of holiness, mortification. Our staff counselor is Les, Les Moody. Moody. Uh, our giving coordinator is Jenna Rossity. Our director of tithing is Tim Percent. Our nativity coordinator, she's from France and also uh, from Israel. Uh, <laughs> Beth Lacham. Can't we just Beth. say she's from Israel? She's from Israel. Yeah. Beth Lacham. Yeah. She's French. Uh, <laughs> uh, the co-pastors of plagues, uh, Manny Locusts and Lance Boyles, not to be confused with your uh, counselor, no. Lance. No. Uh, our, our Irish eschatology professor is Mark O. the Beast. Mm. Mark O. the Beast. I, I didn't come up with anything Scottish. Uh, heading up our legal policies and procedures department, also from France, Stone Tablet. That one is French. It is. Stone tablet. Stone tablet. Uh, from uh, the director of Western States Church Planting, California. And here's three new ones. You haven't heard oh, these. Oh, three? Well, I don't, I don't think you've heard these. Oh. Maybe you did. Um, our staff swim instructor. I don't remember. Beth Thesda. <laughs> Beth Thesda. Um, what is that? How's that swimming? Pool. Of Bethesda. Oh, yeah, it's gotcha. from the Bible. Okay. Um, uh, our director of uh, the doctrine of election, I am chosen. I am chosen. <laughs> Goes by his initials, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and and this one, I wrote, well, I didn't write, I thought of as I was walking down the hallway in the office yesterday. Mm. Pastor Chad is walking towards me. I've got this big grin on my face, like I have just hit the lottery. Yeah. He goes, "What? What are you thinking about?" I said, "I just wrote this name. It's going to be really funny tomorrow." Uh, our vice president of sabbaticals, mm. Trip Long. <laughs> trip, trip Long, people. Trip Long. There you go. Uh, or a long trip. Yeah. 
Um, now, my question is, yes. are we going to, as we add to these every yeah. week, are we going to continue to read all of them? Well, that depends. Do the listeners want uh, us to read them all? Or do you just want one, one or two at the end? No, I, I mean, I, I'm just, it's not that I'm opposed to it. I'm uh-huh. just wondering at some point when we get to 50. As, and when, we we get, we... when we get to 50, I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll cull it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe we should just have 10. Maybe we should just have the best ones. Maybe we should have the ones that are funny. We should have people <laughs> vote on them. Yeah, we, we could. Yeah, we could. Hey, if there is a name that you really like the best, let us know about it in the comment section. Is there a comment section? I don't. Somewhere there is. I'm sure there on, is on Instagram or yeah. something. Yeah. Well, the the best advice we've ever heard. One of our friends texted it to us today. He did. Yeah. Which is trust God and take a nap. And it's a better. Yes. <laughs> See you next time.